Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. Valentine's. Valentine's Day. Yeah, and we're <laughs> spending it with each other. <laughs> Just as the fates would decree. Yeah. Facebook reminded me that three years ago was when I went to LA to see my best friend oh. on Valentine's Day. Again, not because of that. Yeah. But it just worked out in between like my contract before I was permanent and whatever. There was like a week or a two week period they had to have in between. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll go to LA then. And it was right before the pandemic kicked in oh my god yeah full blast yeah and so like we went and yeah to, so three years ago today i went to the whatever the egyptian theater i guess for uh piranha and howling double bill with joe dante and john sales and someone else and our friend julia from yeah horror movie survival guide was there and you didn't know i know i know and we came in like a couple of minutes late i don't think we missed any movie part but it was like maybe they were talking and it's like joe dante's talking don't get your seat joe dante is the number one example of a director who has done so many awesome things, but because the way Hollywood works, he's kind of been, I mean, he's still working. He does a lot of TV. He does some independent stuff, but you look at the person who directed Gremlins should be directing Marvel movies or something like that. Mm -hmm. And there are worse things that have happened in Hollywood. Yeah. And Joe seems pretty cool about it because I've heard him on various podcasts. But every time I see a big movie, I'm like, wow, Joe Dante would be good there. But then you look at his track record and sadly, the harsh reality is some of his great stuff like Gremlins 2 or Matinee or Small Soldiers all flopped, I think. Well, I was going to say, like, it's weird that Small Soldiers was the thing that kind of destroyed him in Hollywood because there's no reason for it. I remember when that came in 98, I think. It looked fun. It, it had Tommy Lee Jones' voice, who had just won an Oscar, you know, five yeah. years prior or whatever. It's always seemed odd to me that that was kind of the movie that was just sort of like, no, nah, you're done here. Like, yeah. it's like, what's, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't actually see the movie, which I yeah. guess was the problem, but I always thought that was odd. Like, it's not like some BFG or, I don't know, I was gonna say Hook, but I mean, I don't have anything against Hook either, but. Wasn't it the one-two punch of Small Soldiers and looney tunes back in action yeah like i mean it could be but that was like back in action i thought that was like 2001 or something like that was yeah. well i guess yeah i mean it's only three years so i suppose i suppose it could be yeah because i guess i don't think of that one as a flop either like not to say it wasn't but i just remember that movie and in my head i'm like oh it must have done okay you know because people love brendan fraser and the Muppets and or not the Muppets. Well, they love the Muppets too, but you know, <laughs> they love all that Looney Tunes, all that, you know. And so I don't know idea what the numbers were on that, but I'm guessing not gangbusters the way you're describing it. I love how they never give up on making weird Looney Tunes movies. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, back in action didn't work. Yeah, let's try another Space Jam. Oh, no, that didn't work either. Oh, it was so bad. And like, honestly, the first Space Jam is not good either. Like, not to besmirch, you know, a movie people love, uh, people of a certain age, you know, but I just missed the boat slightly. Like, it was just a little too kiddy for me. And then by the time I saw it, geez, five, six years ago, like, I waited a long time. And I'm like, wow, this is like, Bill Murray's pretty good. But for the most part, you're just like, I'm not the audience, but I'm like, wow, I thought the way people talk about this movie makes you think it's going to be better than it is it's a fascinatingly weird movie too <laughs> because they go out of their way to incorporate all the stuff that michael jordan was going through at the time mm -hmm. which seems like extra work like <laughs> they put in the baseball stuff and i was like i don't think you needed that you could have just had a random story of michael jordan sitting at home and then he falls into the looney tunes world because they need a basketball player yeah but that they put in all this other stuff was 
so strange. And they kind of stuck with the characters. So you had Coyote still wanting to eat Roadrunner, but they're playing basketball together. It was all very strange. Yeah, and I mean, they did a similar thing in the new one as well, where they were talking about LeBron's son and like they were yeah. having, and it wasn't his real son, obviously, and it wasn't accurate to his life apart from the fact that he does have sons i don't know i mean i I suppose that makes some more sense than yeah including all like they just didn't do the jordan gambling problem stuff i mean (laughs) that i remember maybe they did is that why he had to play like against the monsters it was like a a, a gambling debt thing (laughs) the new one i watched and it is also fascinatingly weird because they went out of their way warner brothers to really multiverse it up but then you've got this bizarre climax to the film with the good guys playing the bad guys and in the crowd for real are the monkeys from wizard of oz and pennywise the clown and the characters from clockwork orange (laughs) right (laughs) so weird it's so weird and they're all just kind of you can tell it was a whole bunch of extras or costumed actors on a green screen not actually watching the game or interacting with the Looney Tunes or LeBron James. So if you're paying attention to the background, they're all just kind of randomly cheering or not or booing. But you can tell there's this disconnect. So it makes this other weird thing where that's distracting, where you're like, why are there characters from Clockwork Orange in the back of a family movie? Yeah, like the Joker is literally a murderer. Like, what yeah. what is he doing here? Like, at least Don Cheadle seemed to be having fun. That's kind of the best I can say about that movie. Like, he was, I don't know. No shame in getting a paycheck, Don Cheadle. Yeah, and like, it, I, I don't know. I can't even say it should have been better. Because I don't know. Like, should it have been better? Like, <laughs> yeah. how good could it have been? And I think it tanked pretty hard. But I still imagine, like, in 20 years, there'll be another Space Jam. They're like, ah, let's try again. Yeah, and who knows who is going to be by that. I mean, it's kind of the same threat that they've had about uh, remaking Rock and Roll High School, where you're yeah. like, who can you put in replacement of the Ramones? You know, I think they were talking about Blink-182 at, at one time, which makes some sense, you know? So weird. But yeah, even still, like, I can't imagine that being great. And, and honestly, no matter who they did, if they ever do remake that with another band, everyone, well, not everyone, but, you know, a huge chunk of us is just going to be like, no, like, there's no way we're all going to be like, oh, yeah, perfect. And it's, it's really tough remaking or sequelizing movies like that because rock and roll high school is amazing but part of what makes it amazing is it's roger corman stuff and that the band is so lovingly bad not the ramones themselves obviously but in their acting skills Mm -hmm. and you can't beat that and i can't imagine somebody trying to recreate that camp or recreate that because just the band is so amazing and you watch that movie especially here it's so much fun to watch and it's because that they were just trying to make a real movie it's because the band was actually kind of trying yeah it reminds me of kiss meets the fan of the park you, yeah. you can't really replicate that and their badness well it's yeah. like when they <laughs> sequelized sharknado or birdemic or the fact that The Room has never had a sequel. You can't recreate that so bad it's good magic knowing that you're making a bad movie. Yeah, and then there's, you know, not... I'm thinking of Neil Breen. Obviously, he doesn't make bad films, of course. Like, they're all great. But just in terms of consistently making audience-pleasing films, like, that's something he's able to do. And it's actually pretty incredible because when you compare him to a James Cameron, I was going to say, like, (laughs) not that someone does that. But, you know, just it's totally different concepts. He consistently... Actually, it's similar in a way in that the audience keeps being happy with the results. I haven't seen a boring Neil Breen movie here. 
You know, yeah. like they're always entertaining. The audience loves them. They always do pretty well, you know, and he's got a new one out, which just won best picture at some festival. Oh, I don't, maybe oh is it? I didn't realize it was like done done. It's done done. Like oh. I don't even think so. And it's a sequel to his last one. He's never done a sequel. So this is like a big deal. And, you know, I think that you can't really lump him in with a Tommy Wiseau because like he's consistently putting out more art and it's not just like he's not trying. You can tell he's putting everything into these and they're entertaining as hell. That is the big difference with Tommy is that if you look at Roger Corman, you look at Lloyd Kaufman, you look at Ed Wood, you look at Neil Breen, these people who fall under the so bad it's good category have a deep resume, have mm. a lot of movies. They kept making stuff. Whereas this year is the 20th anniversary of The Room and Tommy's done some other stuff, like been in Greg's movies and stuff like that. Yeah. But for a person who, especially if you've read or listened to Disaster Artist or seen the movie, and even if that's just a fraction of reality, someone who was so big on being a filmmaker that he did the one. And did he do the one? And you go, yep, that's it. That's my masterpiece. Yeah, it's weird to, you know, and I'm sure the story's changed so much since then, especially now that it's been successful, you know. So who who knows the truth? Like, I mean, if that had flop-flopped, would he have immediately made another movie? Like, who knows? I guess it doesn't matter. It's, it's worked out for us and for him, yeah. obviously, so. I wish Lee were here because I'm curious if we have heard from Mr. Breen yet. Yeah, well, and I did. I tagged us, you know, in his post about winning Best Picture or, or whatever oh, yeah. it was. And I was like, you know, get ready, Mayfair, you know, because oh, like, right. yeah, yeah. we're pretty consistent. I don't even know. We've played at least the last four, I want to say, but I, I'm just throwing out a number at that point. And a producer like that is really kind of a one person show. So it's not like we're waiting to hear from Warner Brothers or Sony or somebody like that's he will contact us. Yeah. And it's nice to know like that. It's I mean, as far as I know, we're on good terms with them. And, yeah, and yeah. just apart from not being able to play it as a you know late night movie, which we might not have anyways. No, and that, that's interesting that you bring that up because we screened Rocky Horror mm -hmm. at nine o'clock for the first time in a non-Halloween time frame. Usually we always do it as a midnight movie. Mm -hmm. And that got instigated because the shadow cast kind of wanted to go to bed earlier. <laughs> and it did very well. It did very well. Just awesome. So then this week we're doing The Room at nine o'clock. And the Neil Breen stuff, we had to do at nine o'clock because... He didn't want his stuff to be a midnight movie. He didn't want that tag yeah. put onto his film, which is understandable. So that is very much a midnight type movie that we've always screened at nine. And I think it's funny. I don't know if it's a sign of both the people who run the Mayfair and the people who come to the Mayfair might be of a certain age who <laughs> don't stay up as late anymore. The midnight stuff still does just fine. And we still have plenty of college kids coming here and that sort of thing. I like the nine o'clock show just because it makes the day a bit tighter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we have The Room coming up at 9, and when we hear about this Neil Breen one, that will be at 9, because that was always part of his his rider for the film. Yeah, and I feel like it, it'll be fairly quick. I mean, since it's done, it's already doing festivals. I mean, I would imagine we'll hear in the next couple of months about that, but I mean, he's a mystery, so... Yeah, I get requests every day. Often it's funny. It's funny how communication changes, where... Many people now are using Instagram as their email, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I don't pay attention to that as much. So I'll be getting questions there. And every once in a while, I'll blink and it'll be from like a week and a half ago. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but someone asked the other day, and people never understand this. And I have to answer this over and over again of that. We never say, oh, we're going to book movies six weeks from now and not tell you. We always advertise right away. Even if it's something a couple months away, we will at least say coming the week of March, whatever. But we don't keep secrets. And so I always think it's funny when somebody emails me and says, will you guys be screening Cocaine Bear? <laughs> and I'm like, well, 
Cocaine Bear hits the multiplexes next week or yeah, the yeah, week two after. Weeks, I think, yeah. And it could do really well. It could flop. So I don't have an answer for you. The studio could have no interest in screening at a theater like ours. So I always just reply the same thing of everything we know about is on our coming soon list. Everything else is really a shrug and a maybe. And that's all we know. People don't get that we don't demand a movie. Mm -hmm. We get told if we can screen a movie. For retro stuff, for library type films, then we go, hey, we want to screen taxi driver mean streets whatever then they say yep there you go but for new stuff it's always a mystery and sometimes new stuff you'll see us screen a movie in 2023 that screened at sundance 2021 sometimes a movie takes forever to get out of the festival circuit yeah and, and honestly like if it becomes a snakes on a plane scenario and tanks then you yeah. know we probably could have a chance to get it within four to six weeks but if it actually has legs like it seems like it might but which is what we said about snakes on a plane at the time yeah you know, like then we might not get it for months and you know who knows i mean that would be a really fun movie here obviously and like you know we like successful stuff but yeah, yeah it's it's impossible to say and often it will really come down to maybe three months from now, whoever is producing Cocaine Bear says, do you want Cocaine Bear? And in that same week, we have the opportunity to host the Ottawa premiere of some Judy Dench Shakespeare movie. Mm -hmm. And we would go, yeah, sorry, we're going with Judy Dench. It's tough. It's always a, an interesting back and forth. Like as we speak, in the upcoming week, we could have screened Fablemans, but we're going to do it, I think, the week after because we had the opportunity to hold over both living and the whale mm -hmm. which have done really great so just keep that going it's tough when you have one screen and you're screening three times a day and you're not a multiplex that just screens a movie five or six times a day it's always that puzzle piece mm. has anybody asked about the winnie the pooh horror movie yes uh, ah there we go because yes. they, they want that double bill with cocaine bears so they're like hoping oh yeah to get the, you know the bear double b i don't even know if we can we screen that i don't, I don't know people asked about remember there was that I think it screened at TIFF. There was that Joker movie. Yeah, it screened once only. I don't even know if they got to see the whole movie before they pulled it. Like, it was that yeah. dramatic. But that one was a lot... Like, technically, Winnie the Pooh is in the public domain. You just can't have him wearing the red shirt and no, that's no pants or whatever. Right. Yeah, so, like, that's kind of the thing. So it's totally legal, much like... And I'm not sure if it's still like this, but I think it was, like, Thunderball that was legal in Canada. That was the weird one, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I think it's that kind of scenario. So I believe it's a worldwide copyright thing but it's like just specific things you can't have and i think you can't have like tigger or there's just a few characters That's where so it's weird you can have piglet i think but maybe you can't <laughs> have tigger or rue or kanga i don't know yeah one of the podcasts i listened to the flop house which two-thirds of it is out of new york two of those guys just saw this joker movie in new york somewhere and i think it was some kind of cool speakeasy underground <laughs> yeah, screening of it or something I was gonna say. and one of the hosts said and i feel the same way where it's like it's this tough thing of parody laws and artistic integrity and somebody innocently just wanting to make use of a character and supposedly made a very good movie out of it but then as he said i am also a comic book writer who owns ip and i am as well and say if somebody completely ripped off one of my comic books that i have the copyright on i might feel a bit different about it so there's always that devil's advocate thing of like when warner brothers did not sue this filmmaker did not take this filmmaker to court but just said yeah you can't <laughs> because we're using the joker a lot yeah 
It's a tough call. It's a very tough debate that I'm kind of on both sides of. Yes, yeah, so people asked if we were going to screen that. I'm like, we can't screen that because if we advertise screening that, Warner Brothers would be like, uh, what are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. See, what if I made a movie about a zombified set of keys that I called Zomkeys? <laughs> zomkeys. Would that be okay? Because, I mean, there's no there's no zombie monkeys in mine. It's just a, a set of keys that are zombies. Well, and I was saying, too, where sometimes people get upset where they're like, oh, an idea I had got used by somebody else. But Neil Gaiman has said, never get upset by that because stories are just retold over and over and over again. Yeah. And as long as you're not actually ripping somebody off, if your story has a romantic element or a horrific element or a dramatic element or a historical element that has been used before, or you're halfway through a script and something gets made, keep going because yeah. I am hopeful for more stories in the damn cursed children universe. And as we speak, we are watching Last of Us, mm. which is pretty great. Yeah. But like no spoilers, but there is some kid death in this miniseries yeah, or this d- series just like assault on precinct 13 holy cow that <laughs> shocked me yeah. a kid to get shot <laughs> so that could make me upset of going oh no we can't do a zombie kid thing because there's other zombie kids but my brain kind of looks at it more rose-colored glasses of maybe somebody else is like oh that show with monster kids does well oh you have a comic about monster kids we're interested Lee just did that. He just had zombie kids in his thing. Yeah, and it's not going to end. It's like, how many times has there been vampire movies? It's not like there's going to be a vampire movie and then we're going to brush our hands together and say, and that's it. No more vampires. Yeah, and I'm glad Neil Gaiman won't be upset with my Sandman knockoff beach guy. (laughs) It's very similar. It's just like beach guy instead of Sandman. You know, I'm doing my best over here. It's the exact same story. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying. Okay, so let us chat about movies we have coming up this week of friday february 17th 2023 we've already kind of tiptoed around mentioning a bunch of them we have encore weeks for living and the whale two Mm. oscar favorites i saw the whale okay i'm seeing living tomorrow night the whale was heavy i'm assuming like not i'm that's not a pun or anything like that i'm just well yeah darren aronofsky has anyone ever left a darren aronofsky movie (laughs) and been like Wow, I love that. I'm going to go buy that on Blu-ray and watch it over and over again. Like maybe The Fountain. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. The Wrestler, maybe. But I mean, that's still heavy, but at least it's not as much of a punch you in the guts movie. Yeah, like, and he's an accomplished filmmaker. And it's one of those things where you watch it and you're just like, that's very well done. But I feel bad now. I need to take a shower <laughs> yeah. immediately after this. Brandon Fraser's really great in it. From a movie nerd point of view, I find it very interesting because it's very evident based on a play for the most part it takes place all in one room a little bit on his not front porch but like front door and a little flashback scene to him at a beach but you can totally see how it was a play with geez what was it one two three four i don't know five or six characters and really just characters talking and it takes place over a number of days but all in his apartment the one interesting thing and this is right in the opening is that it's a teacher making a living teaching over zoom so i'm like wow this play must not be that old because if this play was from the 80s you could not have a teacher teaching over the internet yeah unless it was like over the phone and they just update it but even then it's a pretty big plot point and i'm like yeah no so <laughs> maybe it's i don't know it might be a play from a year or from two years ago so yeah. that would make sense then but yeah like but it made me think of the vegas odds on who's gonna win this award because i'm like I don't know. I think Paul Meskel's out just because he's the, hey, thanks for trying. Here's a nomination. <laughs> but Bill Nye, Brendan Fraser, Colin Farrell, Austin Butler, I really think it's anyone's game. Yeah. 
Yeah, really, it kind of depends what way they want to go. Because, I mean, a lot of the time they go with the biopic person when there isn't really a clear winner beyond that. You're sort of just like, okay, we need something to push them over the edge so Rami Malek wins, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But, like, for this one, I don't know. I could go either way. Like, on the one hand, I could totally see if Elvis won. But I also could just see, like, there's a lot of heavy lifting acting-wise for the other people nominated. Yeah. So I almost wonder if that means Elvis is out. And it's kind of between the other three guys. And, like, Bill Nye's great, but he's kind of just playing a grumpy old British guy. Yeah, yeah, he's doing what he does. And, and But then again, I mean, yeah, and like Colin Farrell, I mean, uh, he's great, but yeah, we've sort of talked about it before that it's like, is this going to be the sorry about that Brendan Fraser award? Yeah, <laughs> you know? or like Brendan's had this great mainstream and a few independent movie career mm-hmm. and has really been in the trenches a bit and worked in TV. And he's a guy who in an alternate universe should be Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. right? Like if you look at like the mummy and stuff like that. So do you give it to Brandon as a good job, Brandon? You're great. Yeah. Yeah. Are we, are we cool now? Brandon award. <laughs> yeah. Is that what it is? You know, like maybe we just never talk about this again award, but and like Austin Butler is a kid. So yeah. he will have more opportunities. It's always weird. And again, it all comes down to, I don't think award should exist. Cause I don't think art should be awarded. But it's fun, you yeah. know. Or they all get an award. I'd be cool with yeah. that. You know, like, <laughs> there's three to five winners where you're all like, you guys were all so good. We can't, that's shit. Like, that's that's just you and me, our award yeah. show, right? Like, we're <laughs> just like, everything we watch, we're like, no, that was good. Like, honestly, here, here. Well, there are some awards I've noticed over the years making use of Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that or looking at IMDb where they list all the awards. There are some awards where it's just the top five independent film awards and everyone gets an award. But then you get to the, like, Right wingers yelling about, about snowflakes. Say, yeah, yeah, uh, the you John snowflake Wayne actors. Yeah, yeah. Oh, now everyone gets one. You know, in my yeah. day, you know, yeah. No, it's it's. I think regardless, not gonna be upset with who wins. It's really, not gonna be yeah, a bad yeah. actor, but it's just it's hard because you you could make a legitimate argument for all five of those guys to win. You know. Yeah, and Sadie sinks in it. Who I kind of forgot. I love her from Stranger Things for sure. But yeah, so we'll see. And then the Oscars are coming up soon. So what is interesting is to see that. The Oscars really do matter from a certain point of view because the numbers on Living and the Whale have been great. And I'm curious if Living and the Whale had zero Oscar nominations as The Sun did, would less people be coming? And I think really a lot of people who might not be movie buffs per se, but still enjoy coming to movies, they see that Oscar nominee and that brings them in. Mm -hmm. So I always find that interesting. It's like if The Sun had gotten Best Actor and Supporting Actor and Screenplay nominee instead of Whale. Yeah. Would that have switched things? Would the sun have got 100 people and whale got 10 people? Yeah, it's really, it's, I'm kind of more curious to see the sun now that it's tanked in a way. Yeah. Because I'm sort of like, it can't be that it just sucks. Like, I mean. I don't think so. I think it's just really heavy and maybe people were like, eh. Yeah, you're like, no, I'm going to go to the whale. You know, yeah. if we're watching, we can <laughs> watch light... one heavy movie. Yeah. At least I prefer Brendan Fraser. Yeah. So then again, as we mentioned, we have The Room coming up for its 155th time on our screen. And it is a 9 p.m. show, an experiment. So we'll see how that does. I think it'll bring out more people who maybe didn't want to step too late. I don't know. There's not many people who are like, no, I want to see a midnight show. Except for your friend. Your friend. Yeah, true. He, you know, I don't even want to know if I want to say it was complained. But no. he had planned to, it was going to be a couple's night. There was like four of them coming out and they were, but they were doing dinner plans and then coming here after. It must be like a late-ish dinner because they can't do the nine o'clock show. So he's sort of like, wasn't trying to guilt me, but he was like, well, I can't do it, but whatever. And I was like, ah, you know, I think it's just to give other people a chance and whatever. And I don't understand. Do dinner at seven. I don't know. It doesn't, <laughs> it's just weird. Like, I think they could plan around 
standard. But anyways, I mean, cinema makes sense as an 11 midnight yeah, yeah. type of thing. Like, And it, because then that's not eating up a quote unquote real movie right. in the nine o'clock slot that people are paying ticket money for. Yeah. So if you want to come to see cinema, you got to make the sacrifice of a free movie at midnight. Yeah, and I think people would come to a 9 o'clock cinema, but yeah, like then you're not giving yourself a chance to make extra money, which is poor business. <laughs> we need money. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a classic screening for its 50th anniversary, Martin Scorsese's Mean Streets. Man, and I, I don't think I've actually seen this. I've come close a bunch of times. There's a f- I don't think I've seen Taxi Driver either. Like, There's a few like oh, wow. huge ones. But then I've seen like a bunch of his other stuff you know but it's just like i want to it's not a deliberate thing it's just one of those ones you forget it i don't know if i've seen godfather 2 i've seen one and three. Oh wow but i'm not sure i've seen two. i've seen these weird little gaps but then i've seen leprechaun 7 you know like <laughs> so it's like not great i saw godfather one two three here in my high school days it's because when godfather 3 came out and then the mayfair had three weeks in a row because they're long they're yeah, three hours yeah. three and a half hours so it was like three Wednesdays in a row. Godfather, one, two, three. God, Wednesday too. Like, geez. I believe it was a weeknight. That's what I seem <laughs> to remember. And because I always remember that where I was like leaving from high school and sometimes I would go home or sometimes I would just come to one of my friend's houses who lived around here and we would maybe do homework or more likely play Street Fighter 2. Yeah. And then eat dinner and then come see Godfather on a Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, that just typical kid stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so if you have not seen it, it's the 50th anniversary. So a great time to come and check out the early days of mm. De Niro and Harvey Keitel and Marty Scorsese. Yeah, it's always wild seeing these guys young, guys who were always old to you as a kid. And yeah, now. <laughs> before <laughs> they were what they were. Yeah, I have been meaning, you know, maybe I will. Maybe this is the thing that yeah, will get me to watch it. this because I, I really do want to see it. I remember the first time that I saw um, Goodfellas, which yeah. took a while, but that was like, I don't know, five years ago, something like that. And I was like, man, it's so good. Like you just, you feel like a real toughie after seeing a movie like that. We all have those. We all have those holes in our movie watching resumes. For mm. me, it was Assault on Precinct 13 was one of them where I was like, I don't know how I've never seen this. I love John Carpenter. And I was so glad that when we watched it, we got to watch it on the big screen. And oh, it was and so good. Great music too. I love like the that, music. That was in my head for quite a while. Yeah. And then finally this week, we have the Canadian sci-fi horror phenomenon that is kids versus aliens oh man you could have said like almost anything at the end of that and i would have been interested but yeah this this looks so good this is from the east coast team that did hobo with a shotgun Mm. a few years back which we also screened here at the mayfair yeah true and this one that well that was a spinoff of grindhouse when they were doing the fake trailer competition and that was not originally one of the trailers but you could compete in that one and so they ended up putting that in the movie i think just for canada but it might have been worldwide I can't remember if that was in the worldwide release, but it's interesting because now Kids vs. Aliens is a spinoff of the VHS series, which we also played here. Oh, yeah. At least one of those I'm pretty sure we played here. Um, Yeah, I think we did like three of them. Yeah, because we definitely played Southbound, which was the same producers as the VHS movies. Yeah. And we still have merch behind the the, (laughs) box office. But yeah, no, this was like, yeah, though I think it was called Safe Haven. I can't remember the name of the sketch, but yeah, it was basically alien occupation kind of thing. And uh, kids have to fight them. And so this has been a expanded to a full length and that's cool yeah because the the sketch or the sketch whatever you want to call it like was really good like i actually really like those vhs movies like they're not everyone is a 10 out of 10 but you know they're like everything for anthologies you know because it's like even if the first one sucks you're like okay well one of those is going to be good like give me at least one good thing and even if they're all bad it's like what 20 minutes 30 minutes each it is what it is yeah i really liked mick garris's nightmare cinema which Mm -hmm. is the last 
one I could think of. And I think they're working on a sequel to that. I think COVID kind of got in the way. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Did they make a feature or are they making a feature of the VHS one with a vampire lady? Yeah, yeah. Did they siren. make that? Yeah, the siren or just I siren. love that short. That, I love that. I forgot about that. I'm pretty sure that did come out. But the fact that it's taking both of us a while yeah. is probably not a great thing. I just remember reading about that, but then it just came to me when we were talking about this stuff. Yeah, but. no, that 100% exists and I totally forgot about it. But yeah, that was another good one. I mean, honestly, you could make a spinoff of pretty much any of those and I'd be interested, so. And Kids vs. Aliens is essentially like a... Well, it's not rated the way because that's how we roll in Canada, nice. but it is a R-rated Goonies type adventure. It's a tight 75 minutes. Ooh. And from what I understand, in a good way, there's no wasting time. There's no character development. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of kids being kids and then aliens show up and they're fighting them for their lives. So it's basically like Attack the Block, but with I think so, yeah. younger kids and not in England. <laughs> and the writer is a guy named John Davies. Gwen's last name is Davy. It's not John Reese Davies. No. (laughs) And she's from that part of the world. And I'm like, oh, you're so close to almost being related to this guy. She must, the family must know that family in some way or another. She just told me something. So we have family visiting because I always say Gwen's cousin, but it's my cousin now too. Yeah, that's how that works. Is it Ottawa U? So her mom and dad are visiting next weekend and we're going to come see Kids vs. Aliens. And I forget the connection, but it's like, I think our cousin knows somebody who's in the movie okay like actually went to school with them and my uncle and aunt work in the film industry so i think they know some people who have worked on it as well they work on all kinds of east coast things Mm -hmm. but yeah it's always nice to see a movie like this reach our screen always nice to support canadian horror and canadian sci-fi and that sort of stuff yeah no and it's yeah it's the perfect josh length of movie oh 75 minutes you must have been all over that i love it i love any movie (laughs) Well, you know, I'm hypocritical. I'm okay with the three-hour Avengers. Yeah. And I loved the Batman, actually. That was three hours. A lot of people said that was too long. But I do find most movies, I'm like, duh. Like, Skinamarink, I'm very glad we watched it on the big screen. I'm very glad we hosted it. I think it's it's an important part of Canadian history now. But? But I was like, ah. that could have been 80 minutes i was gonna say 75 <laughs> minutes would have been perfect for yep. that like it's just but you know that's a whole other thing i just watched the wind talkers director's cut oh which yeah. was two and a half hours and i'm like <laughs> this didn't need to be two and a half hours a great story great cage but i'm like i was a bit in and out at times in that movie was that the blu-ray that i found behind the screen no, for you that's the theatrical cut so i have oh. to rewatch that and and then see if that if i have a different and I, you know what i think i combined them with we were soldiers because I remember, because yeah, that one yeah. had the kid from American Pie in it, and obviously Mel Gibson, who we don't really talk about, you know. But and I was just because I kept picturing that as I was watching, I was like, oh wait, the American Pie guy's not in this one, <laughs> right? Different movie. That's how we roll at the Mayfair. I text Eric and go, "Do you want a Blu-ray of Wind Talkers?" And you reply, "Not if it's expensive." And I go, "It's free. I found it behind the screen." <laughs> yeah, because I was like, you know, I had the director's cut, but technically not the theatrical cut. And it's a cage. Am I going to say no to a cage Blu-ray that you offer me for free? Like for free. that's just stupid. So yeah, I did the right thing. I should say that too. I really want to get a nice little shelf, but our video store was greatly diminished in a good way because a lot of VHS nerds came. And I was like, please just take these. We yeah. want to get rid of these. And they took a bunch. But we still have, I don't know, three little boxes. I want to get one of those little library carts and just put it up by the piano. Yeah. And people can come and take stuff or borrow stuff because we still have some good stuff hiding there. Yeah. And it's kind of a neat thing just to look at, just to have a little shelf with 100 VHS and DVDs on it. Yeah, I still say we should package those up and do them as Oscar prizes. Oh, we could. Because yeah. you're just like, oh, the mystery box. And you're like, it's 10 VHS. <laughs> <laughs> We've got... A bunch of 35 millimeter trailers, which I just don't have the heart to throw away. Yeah. 
But I think everybody who's wanted the great ones, they've been taken. I might do that. Like, it'd almost be fun to just be standing at the exit with a box of trailers. Yeah. And just almost like giving out flyers, just hopefully force a bunch into the hands of people yeah. as they leave. And they're like, oh, Leprechaun 7. Why? <laughs> Wicked. Watch this. And on that note, too, yeah, I just put up the posters and the social media stuff for kind of three fan favorite things at the Mayfair. The Oscars return on March 12th. Silent film live band with VOC silent film harmonic for The Passion of Joan of Arc on March 11th. Which is amazing because as I told you at the last cartoons, there was a dude in front of us in line because I I wait in line like a good guy, even if I'm not paying. And he was, I don't even remember how we got to talking, but he was very passionate about Passion of Joan of Arc. Oh, that's right. And he literally said it's the best movie he's ever seen. And when he watched it, he was crying throughout. I hope he comes. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not sure if it was because it was sad or if it, he was it was so beautiful that he just kept crying. But it just complete happenstance. I mean, to my knowledge, anyways, yeah. that this happened to be mentioned by this guy, and then months later, we're like, ah, oh, and we're doing it with a live score. So that guy's for sure gonna be there. This is dedicated to that guy. Yeah, whoever he was, you know, like he was very excited about cartoons. So a good guy, obviously. Well, and then our third thing is we have our 26th round of cartoons oh, on 26. March 18th. Damn, and I've been hyping this, well, I just constantly hype it, but like, you know, I have a friend who recently moved back to Ottawa and like he came to Rocky Horror and Drag Dragon and that was the first two times he'd ever been here. that's amazing. And so I was like, oh my God, you gotta go. First of all, you need a membership. Second of all, you gotta go to cartoons and cinema and everything basically. But like, yeah, like cartoons is our religious experience pretty much. Yeah, and somebody across the pond over in Cambridge sent a photo of a movie theater that had a little bulletin board where you'd put up your favorite memory of a cinema. Wow. And somebody wrote, Saturday morning cartoons at the Mayfair Theater. And that's us. Man. <laughs> Had that been Cambridge, Ontario, it would have been like, I mean, that's, that's mildly cool. interesting. You know, it's pretty good. But no, it's like, the real Cambridge. Yeah, this is even better, you know. So like, yeah, that's cool. And I totally agree with that person, whoever it is. Yeah. So that's it. That is our movies for the week of Friday, February 17th, 2023. Thanks for listening, everybody. You will listen to this after Valentine's, so I mm-hmm. hope you had a good one, whether you celebrated or not. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you celebrated here, but you know we won't hold it against you. That was last week now by the time you hear this. Yeah, and you can check MayfairTheater.ca for up-to-the-moment updates of new movies coming to our screen, and we're on all the social medias, and we look forward to having you here at the Mayfair Theater to watch some awesome stuff. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Oh, and I've only got two Cage movies left in my Cage quest to see them all. Wow. Yeah, Snowden and World Trade Center. So, good double bill, I guess. (laughs) We'll find out soon. Mean Streets is about... You gotta be like me. Tony. I just be sure and tell him to be here tonight, all right? Michael. Giovanni. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Johnny. Yo, Tony, you gotta worry about talking about one thing and then zap. And about Charlie. About Charlie, who played me, laughed. (laughs) We're going to a party, have lots of fun. (laughs) And prayed. I guess you could safely say that things haven't gone so well tonight. But I'm trying, Lord, I'm trying. And fought. But most of all, he cared. Tony, be careful. He cared for his friends. Oh, that's fine with you guys, your friends. In these mean streets. Don't show up tonight. We'll see what happens to you. How much? How much money you got for Michael tonight? I got none. Well, in here, take a. Uh...
take 20. Yeah, take 22. Would you rate that'll make, uh, that'll make 30 dollars we'll give to Michael tonight. I'll keep 11 for the weekend. We'll get some chinks later. Take it, stupid. I'm doing it for you. Come on, Corral, will ya? Come on, Charlie. 30 bucks ain't nothing. You know that. Come on, you know the only way you're gonna do is if you talk to your uncle. Uh, That's get it, away, please. Why not? I ain't gonna do it. Forget about that. Charlie cared for them all. Hailed by the critics, the New York Times called it beautifully realized. Pauline Kael of The New Yorker called it a triumph of personal filmmaking. Newsday said exquisite, savage, and compassionate. Who's going to help him if I don't? What's the matter? Nobody, nobody, nobody tries anymore. Tries what? She tries to, to help us all, help people. You help yourself first. You show up, Teresa. That's where you're all wrong. Francis and Mestizzi had it all down. They knew. What are you talking about? He knew. What are you talking about? St. Francis didn't run numbers. Newsweek said, Mean Streets triumphantly heralds the arrival of Martin Scorsese, 